God, we're not. You alone are God. And Father, we uh, ask that you would uh, be with our brother Jeff as he uh, travels in Eastern Europe. I think he's going to Romania, Bulgaria, maybe into parts of Ukraine, I'm not sure. But Lord, I pray that the, the words that he speaks Father, we'll cut straight to the heart of the men and women who hear the gospel message that he will bring to them and that they would be encouraged and that they would come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Father. I know that many of the areas he goes into are, are predominantly Muslim, and there's a great Muslim presence there. So, Father, we just ask that, uh, that Father, everything that, that's uh, been said in the past about God, would be manifest itself through through the, the the actions and the words of Jeff that 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 Jesus is our Lord and Savior that they would come to know Him. So we just ask for a hedge protection around Jeff as he's gone, and Father, uh, we ask that you would, like I said, just let his the, the fruits of his words and his labor uh, come to fruition and, and bear much fruit. We thank you for Jeff, and we love him, but as much as we love him, we know that you love him even more than we can ask or imagine. So, Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And, Lord, for those that are here today, we ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would fall. Give us understanding, Lord, as we uh, learn about uh, the series we're on. It's called Raise Them Up. It's about raising up our children to follow the, follow the Lord. So, Lord, uh, we just ask that through the, the words today that you would be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm liking these cool, crisp mornings. <laughs> Man, it feels good, doesn't it? A week ago, last Wednesday, I think it was like 95 degrees. And of course, that was the day I needed to cut and split firewood. <laughs> they did say that firewood, working on firewood, warms you up more than once. And it does, so... Our scripture verses today are going to come out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and predominantly we're going to be looking at 6 uh, verses 4 through 7, but I just want to read uh, a little further than that to give us some context. And uh, so if you bear with me, I'm going to start at 6 verse 1 and read down probably to, uh, yeah, we'll see. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord our God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord their God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the, dock, the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, 
to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. Then you will eat and are satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm just going to stop right there. So the context we see our verses in today is, is God handing down the law to Moses again. These Israelites wandering around in the desert for 40 years trying to get to that land that was promised by God to them because of their disobedience and their disbelief. Um, you know, they were out there when, when Moses went to meet with God on the mountain. Moses uh, re- received the law from, from the Lord. They got antsy, didn't they? And they built a graven image out of the gold articles that they had and made a, a golden calf to worship instead of the one true God. So God is laying these, these decrees, these statues, and these commands back down again for Moses to teach the, the, the people before they cross over in the Jordan and go into the promised land. So it's very imperative that they learn these. And, and what we see happening here becomes out of 6, chapter 4 and 5, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, is, is, a, is a prayer. It's called the Shema. The Jewish Hebrew people would repeat this. They taught their children for generations and generations to recite this prayer, just like it says here, every morning, every night, when they're sitting down, when they're rising up, it's called the Shema. And the Shema in Hebrew means listen. With the emphasis not only on listening, but obeying. When we listen to God, when he speaks, what's the response that he expects from us? To obey. To obey. So when you hear the word Shema, that's what it means. It means to listen, but it also means to obey. I think James in, in the New Testament, he says, you know, we're not to only be hearers of the word, but what? We're supposed to be what? Doers of the word. And, it, and that's the way it is it's throughout, throughout the ages. God expects us to, to, to know his word, but not just to know it, to live it, to obey it, to understand it. So that's what we see happening here. And, and on it, as Christians and believers, we don't... Most of us have been brought up to know God, the God of our fathers and grandfathers, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. He's God alone. The King of kings, Lord of lords, right? He's not Lord of all. He's not Lord at all, right? We've been taught that. But in the culture of the near Middle East in the ancient times, this wasn't always the case. They had many gods. I was just doing a little study on Google here, and if you go look and they're getting ready to go into the land of Canaan. And if you, if you Google and you look for Canaanite gods, let me just read them to you, okay? There's, there's quite a few. Baal, Asherah, Anat, Dagon, Mot, Yam, Kotharwa, Kassis, Astarte, Moloch, Chemosh, Yahweh, we know Yahweh, Eshmun, Hadad, Salim, Reshef, Melgart, Sathosh, Atar, Yarik, Hitesh, Shahar, Baal Haman, Atargadis, and Balak Gebal. 
He was a lot of gods, wasn't he? So there were a lot of things, a lot of deities that these Canaanites worshipped. So when God's speaking to them in the verses that we're going to hear this morning in chapter four or six, verses four through seven, then maybe we would have a little better understanding what God was 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 warning them about, because He knew when they go into the land of Canaan that there will have to be some interactions with some the Canaanite people, then they might take on practices and worshiping of some of these uh, foreign idols. So he's warning them about this. And in verse 4 it says, in the Hebrew it says, Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The proclamation here is our God is the Lord and he alone is God. They're getting that cut and dried very very early on in that Shema, that prayer that they pray every day, every morning, every night. The Lord is our God and the Lord is one. He's alone. He's, he's God alone. No other gods. You know, and, and it goes on to sh- stay in the scriptures that, that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us to have any other gods before him, right? We, we know that. So it says that in verse 5 that we're to love the Lord our God to love the Lord our God with what all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our strength you know and that in the context of the times I was researching some of the early and ancient cultures and doctrines and whenever we were entering into these people are entering into a covenant with the Lord and, and, and when they would have international treaties between nations in the old days the treaties would be that they would love one another ancient kings they found found correspondence from these ancient kings in Egypt and Hittai and and the Amorites and, and all these and they would have letters that they would write and they would affirm their love for one another it was a thing that they would do to show their alliance to one another and that's the way that God, when we enter into this covenant uh, with him, is that we show him a devotion, a loving, caring devotion. You know, I, I think Nathaniel, we were talking about it earlier, that, and he may have spoken about it earlier in one of his other teachings, but a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer, how many ever know, know who he is? A.W. Tozer, he says, he says this, that what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about God, what comes to mind to you? Because that will pretty much direct the outcome and and the, and the, the flow of your life. If you think our God is a loving Father who has the best for us and he blesses us with all these things and good things, then you're probably going to love him and you're probably going to trust and obey him, right? But if you have this notion that you don't know who God is, that he's some far off entity out there that only wants to punish us when we do wrong, that's going to influence us another way, isn't it? See, when we love God, we trust God. When we know him as that loving father figure, when we, we know that we can trust him, 
And the more we know him, the more we're going to love him. The more we love him, the more we're going, it's going to influence the way that we live. Because we can trust him with our life. He is the source of our life. The song we just sang, you are the air that I breathe, amen? He is. He breathes life into us. He makes it that we might know love and what love is. Because without God, you don't know what love is. You might know of a lot of other things, but you don't know what love is. Let me get to it here. First John chapter 4. I'll tell you what, I think I've shared this story with you before, but I remember way back when we were first starting Harvest and we had our first cell groups and, and we were in a cell group with uh, um, Bob Graber and his wife, Janelle, and, and Dan and Janice Shearer were in the group with us and, and the adults were in Bob and Janelle's house. We were having our cell group meeting in, in the living room. Well, the kids were in the family room down off the way there and we were in the middle of our, of our cell group meeting and all of a sudden, Dan and Jan, his oldest boy, <laughs> comes, comes running out into the living room. He's got a Bible man costume on. He's got the little mask and the eye holes cut out and a cape on it. And he's got a big B on his shirt. And he comes out there and he stands in front of us and he goes, First John 4 8, God is love. Then he just stomps back in the other room. That was a Bible lesson I will never forget. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8, it says this. Let me just read it to you. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Well, that's chapter 4, verse 4. I, I get there. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God has showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, if we know that, wouldn't that have a direct bearing on the way that we live our life? That we have a God who loves us so much that he never held anything back from us? not even his own son. To me, that made all the difference in the world. To know that God loved me that much that he held nothing back from me, not even his own son. And it changed the direction of my life when I come to know him. And when I came to know him, I came to love him the way that he wanted to be loved by me. You see, and it goes on to say that we are to love him with all of our heart. The heart is mentioned here, and, and it was considered the seed of our, our, our understanding. So when we think about God, and we love him from our heart, it's because of what we know about him. We have an intimate relationship with him. He's not as far off. He's as, just as close as the mention of his name. He's always been there for me. In my darkest times in my life, 
All I ever had to do was cry out to him, and he brought me peace, and he brought me comfort. Christmas morning, 2003, when we got the news of our son's accident and his death, I didn't know where else to turn but God. And I cried out to him, and he brought me that peace. He brought me comfort. I don't know how, I don't know how he did it, but I still have it. I miss my son terribly, but I still have that peace, and I know that God still is good, and that God still loves me, and he's still on the throne. And I trust him completely. His ways are higher than us, right? We trust him. So that determines the pathways of our lives. It says our heart, to love him with all of our heart. And it also says all of our soul and our soul I wrote it down here and it means that you know our the soul is the center of our will and our personality not my will but your will be done Lord the center our soul is our personality and our will we turn our will over to to his care and we are obedient to him just as Jesus taught us how to pray, you know, our, he- our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how many people in heaven do you think are disobedient to God? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask that, that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That means total obedience, right? Not our will, but his be done. So that's the, the will and the personality. Then, then their strength is, is everything that flows out of that. The, 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 the strength, the outgoings, and, and, and everything that we do is manifested through it. The energies that we pour into it. You know, and that's pretty important too because in our interactions with our fellow man, they're going to know who we belong to. Jesus said, by the way that we what? Love. Right? Before he ascended into heaven, he said, A new command I I give unto you. As I have loved you, so you must love who? One another. So that by this, men might know that you truly are my disciples. Right? So how are people going to know you belong to Jesus? it says in, in, in verse uh, 6 it says this these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts that you might meditate on them you know we just learned that the heart is the center of our understanding that they might be on our hearts that we might meditate on them day and night how many times do you read in the Psalms David talking about how he loved God's words and how he meditated on them day and night you know, we were talking about raising up children, so I'm talking to parents right now because your children are going to see how you live your lives. And our, I don't know about you, but in my thinking, back when I was a younger man and a young father, I wanted my sons to be better men than me. And I wasn't even following the Lord back then, but that was 
that's how we would be, I think, measure our successes as, as, as parents, right? That we want our children to be better humans than we are. I thank the God that my sons are, are twice the men that I'll ever be. And that wasn't because of me. It was because of the, the instilling of biblical principles that they had in their upbringing. Most of it came from, from their grandmother, from Grammy. She's the one that took them to church. And I, I think that she followed this, this uh, example in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 very closely because I know that she talked to them about the Lord almost constantly when they were together. And it was very important to her, and it should be very important to us that, that they know because when we send them out in the world, there's going to be a whole lot of, 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 of temptations and, 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 and things out there that's going to try to, to pull them one way or another. And it's not going to be towards the Lord. Right? So we have to be diligent. I think in one of the scripture ver uh, versions that I was reading, it talked about you know being diligently teaching your children these things. Here it is again. I got all these notes and I'm not really looking at them. In verse 7, it says to impress these things upon our children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So, what do you think about that? When you sit down in your home and when you're walking along on the road, or driving in these days, when you lie down, and when you get up. So what time you're not supposed to impress these things upon your children? Maybe when you're sleeping, right? Every waking moment, you're supposed to be impressing and teaching diligently these things to your kids. Why? Ephesians 5.15 says because the days are evil. The days are evil. We have to prepare them to not be in the world, but not be of the world, right? We need to be teaching them these things because what we don't teach them, the world out there will. Right? The world out there will. But it's up to us because we... You know, we, I don't know, it seems like we've gotten away from meeting regularly like we used to in, in, the, in the churches. And I, I, I don't know, I go by churches on Sunday evenings and most of the doors are closed. They don't have Sunday evening services anymore. We don't. Uh, Wednesday night services, a lot of those have went by the wayside. Bible studies during the week. Now they seem like we only come together in church once a week. But that's not where... If, if that's what you're relying on your children to learn about God in that short time frame, in an hour and a half, two hours per week, man, that sure leaves a lot of time for the world to, to come in and steal away the children, doesn't it? So we need to be diligent in our homes. Parents, grandparents, we're supposed to be raising them up to be godly men and women. And if we don't do it, we can't expect two hours in a church service to be doing it the rest of their lives. We 
Jesus speaking in John chapter 5, verse 19, he says this, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the, for the father loves the son and he shows him all that he does. Well, dads, let me ask you something. You're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of your household. What are you showing your sons today? We want them to be godly leaders in their homes when they get to be adults and they marry off. Are we training them and equipping them to be the spiritual leaders in the household? That kind of stings a little bit, don't it? did when I first read that verse. And I remember reading that verse inside of the jails when I was in the jail ministry. And there was a guy in the, in the back row in one of my services in the jail. And he started having tears running down his eyes. He said, you know, that's so true. He said, I was walking into my living room one day and my three-year-old son was sitting in the middle of the living room floor and he had a screwdriver and he was doing this. And he said, son, what are you doing? He said, I want to be like you, Daddy. I want to be like you. You see, his young three-year-old son had saw him shooting up in the bathroom. that doesn't break your heart I don't know what will but it broke me can you see how important it is that we teach our children godly principles because if we don't and if they're not manifested in our lives as parents the world's going to teach them something else A.W. Tozer. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How about you moms and dads? What comes to mind when you think about God? Is he a loving father from whom all, all life flows? Or is he of some far off distant entity that we don't know that only wants to come and punish us when we do wrong? Because if that's what they believe about God, then they are the show them that by the way that we live parents our God didn't hold anything back from us so why do we hold things back from him
So I pray that, that we might be diligently teaching our children about God, giving them life's little lessons about how much he loved them, loved them and, and that he's not there to, to be some God who's there to punish them, but he loves them and he wants them to, to love him back. they might trust him and obey him and follow him for the rest of the days of their lives. Amen. You know that scripture verses in 1 John chapter 4 that God loved us so much that that uh, he didn't hold anything back of us. Not that we loved him but he learned first loved us. Before we ever knew God he knew us. He formed us in our mother's womb he had a plan and a purpose for our lives. A plan to, what does it say? To prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope in a future. That's what this is all about. You know, and if you look back down there in, in, the, in these scripture verses, chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 3 here, I'm just going to read it again. These are commands, decrees, and laws your Lord directed me to teach you to observe the in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you might, you, your children, and your children's children might fear the Lord your God as long as they, you live by keeping all these decrees and demands that I give you and so that you might enjoy long life. Long life. He wants us to bless us and, and to give us long life. The reason that he gives us his decrees and, and, and these, these commands is not that he wants to, to withhold something from us, but he wants us to give have life and have it to the full. He doesn't want us to be bound by slavery of sin. Right? The Israelites, time and time again, they, they fell short, didn't they? And it cost them a lot of time. There wasn't anybody, I, I think that first generation left out of Egypt, I don't know that there were too many of them that ever even made it into the, 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 the promised land. They all passed away before they reached it. The second generation, he's telling them these things that they might, they might go into the promised land and possess it and that things would go well with them. We have an opportunity if we have failed to live according to these decrees to get it right. It's come through this God's son, Jesus. He he didn't hold anything back from us either. He gave his life on a cross that we might know him and be in right standing with God again. And as we uh, close and we prepare for our communion today, we need to think about that. That God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to suffer and die on a cross for us. We need to teach the children what these things mean. These are emblems of love from God through his son Jesus, the body and the blood of Christ poured out for the sins of many. So as we come together to partake in our communion, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. I pray that we teach the children these things, that they know that we have a loving God who loves us and we, we love him back. But before we could even love him back, he loved us. Amen. So let's pray.
Father, Lord, I just come before you, and I thank you, Father, that before we even knew you, you formed us in our mama's womb, and you gave us a plan and a purpose for our lives, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Lord, we fall short so many times, but you loved us anyway. You loved us enough to, to give us your son, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that we would, that would be the first thing that comes to mind when we think about you, is your great love for us, unfailing love. And that it would direct the paths of our lives that we might not only teach our children by what we say, but, Father, that we would show them by what we do. That they might come to know you in a real, personal, loving way live for you. So we thank you, Lord. We just pray that these words that we have spoken today through the Holy Spirit would fall upon us and, and pierce our hearts and be ingrained in us that we might live, that people might know who we belong to. And we ask it all in Folks, if you uh, need prayer today, if something touched your heart, that you would like to discuss with somebody, we have a lot of folks who would love to pray for you here today. I would love to pray for you, and I know that there's several. If you don't feel like coming up here, just raise your hand. People around you will surround you and pray with you. Uh, we're a praying church. We love you. We want to see you uh, find what you're looking for in the Lord here. Won't you please come?